has been established. The persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Believe in ghosts? The first simply disappears. The other two died. It's your host, Ashley Lana, your certified nightmare prescriber and your fueler of terror. There's this social media thing happening right now where the fear cult is creating new titles for me and I am absolutely living for it. I love it. And the popular one is the Mistress of Murder, which I actually really like because it reminds me of Elvira, who is a legend of darkness and horror movies. So I'll take that and run with it. A new one that got added to the docket was the Ear for Fear, which has an interesting ring to it. It's something I've never heard before, and I love things that rhyme, okay? I'm easy to please. The Ear for Fear. (laughs) So with that being said, welcome to Lullaby. Last week was Ed Gein the butcher of Plainfield, Wisconsin, and he was the inspiration for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Norman Bates in Psycho, and Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. I've been getting requests from the fear cult lately, hey, 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 I hear you, and they've been asking me to do more popular cases so they can hear me dissect the crimes and the details and give them my perception on it. Which really excites me, because that means I'm doing something right, where you want to hear me do a popular case. So, thank you. (laughs) And I aim to give you a complete examination of every case I do, and I hope that you can take something new away from the cases. And I've had requests to do The Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, big popular case, John Wayne Gacy, The Killer Clown, another popular case, and even the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo, because he was finally caught. And... I would love to do those cases for you, especially now that I have you guys asking for me to do it. I only ask that you don't complain about these cases being done to death. Lullaby has listeners of every generation, and I love that. And there are popular cases where some of my listeners have never even heard of it. So keep that in mind if I do do a popular case. There's constantly people joining the true crime world, and... I'm welcoming everyone, and I hope to attempt to please you all, and we all know that that is impossible, but I'll do the best that I can, because I love you. I love you, my fear cult. This week, I am doing a case that took place between 2018 and 2019, so get comfortable, because sweet dreams are made of these. The following story contains subject matter involving graphic descriptions of mental health, pornography, and murder. Please take into consideration that some topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) He watched her body gracefully dance across his computer screen. This girl he had only met less than a month ago had become the love of his life. The young couple would chat daily using multiple platforms such as webcam and text messages. He would wake up early just to see her face and go to bed in the late hours of the night 
just to see her again. The way she spoke with her exotic accent, her sweet voice dripping the words of affirmation he desperately wanted to hear. The way she made him feel was that he was the most important person in the world. He would send her gifts for her to wear during their webcam conversations, and she happily obliged. The black-haired Bulgarian beauty was the only thing important in his life, and no one was going to take her away from him. This is the true story of Grant Amato, the porn-obsessed mass murderer. Grant Taranen Amato was born on May 20th, 1989, in Florida, United States. He was the youngest of three boys. His older brothers were named Cody and Jason, and their parents were Chad and Margaret Amato. The father of the family, Chad Amato, was a friendly man who worked as a pharmacist, and he also fixed computers, which brought in a comfortable life for his family. Margaret Amato loved working at the stables, where she would nurse rescued horses. No matter how hard or aggressive they were to handle, she never gave up on them. She was considered one of the most caring women in the area. The Amato family was somewhat considered to be the American success story. Successful and caring parents who would do anything for their children and their entire family got along. The three sons, Jason, Cody, and Grant, were all close in age, and because of this, they were each other's best friends. The family loved sports, especially American football. They often went to Florida Gators games, which always brought them closer together. As teenagers, Grant and Cody developed a taste for an active lifestyle. Together, they joined the school's weightlifting team and always went to the local fitness center together. When they weren't working out, or playing sports, the brothers loved watching Japanese anime. Grant eventually became interested in airsoft guns, and he and his brother Cody were a part of a competitive airsoft team. In the beginning, it was one of those cases where they truly were the perfect American family. Grant was very close with his brother Cody. They even decided on the same career path after high school. Grant graduated high school in 2007 and went straight into university to receive a nursing degree in 2011 from the University of Central Florida. Grant and Cody had the plan of going to nursing school together, then specialize in anesthesiology. Cody had successfully accomplished his goals. Grant, however, struggled. Grant failed out of anesthesiology, but with his nursing degree, he began working at Orlando Regional Medical Center in the intensive care unit. In 2014, he quit his job and relocated to Florida Orlando Hospital. In June 2018, the staff of the hospital called the police and accused Grant of stealing prescription drugs, propofol specifically, and improperly administering medication. Propofol is a powerful anesthetic that slows the activity of the brain and nervous system that allows a person to fall asleep. And it's used as general anesthesia for surgery and other medical procedures and taken in high quantities can cause death. So interestingly enough, it is actually the drug that killed Michael Jackson in 2009. Is that when he died? 2009? Oh, it seems like forever ago. And I believe it was mixed with benzodiazepine as well. Let me check. Let me check. Give me a second. Yes, Michael Jackson died of acute propofol and benzodiazepine intoxication. How the hell do I remember this but not remember what the fuck I did yesterday? (laughs) Can I get an amen? So far, we have Grant Amato, who had a great, healthy childhood. 
He was very close with his parents and his brothers. And then he graduates high school, him and his brother Cody, and they have plans for this successful lifestyle like their parents had. The two were practically inseparable. They wanted the same job. They wanted matching BMWs. And they even wanted to buy their parents' house after their parents decided to move to their retirement home in Tennessee. These two were very close. I can't express how close this family was. And that's very important with this case. It sadly makes it even more heartbreaking. So when Cody successfully graduated nursing school and he specialized in anesthesiology, Grant struggled and he ended up only getting his nursing degree. And this appeared to have a downward spiral effect on him. So when he got accused of stealing propofol, it was because he was suicidal. Now, Grant argued that he stole the drugs to give to patients who he was certain were not adequately being relaxed by the doctors at the hospital. Well, he got arrested for grand theft of the third degree, and then his brother Cody posted bail of $3,000. And then he paid for the lawyer to get Grant out of jail. So at this point, Grant is 29 years old, and he is unemployed, and he is now living back with his parents, and he develops loneliness, depression, and worthlessness. Let's continue. Out of work and living at his parents' house, Grant spent most of his days living on the family computer. He began live streaming on Twitch while he played video games such as Fortnite. This was to earn some extra cash. His goal was to become a famous streamer. When Grant wasn't busy gaming or streaming, he was watching porn. While on a pornography site, he discovered the wide world of webcam modeling. On the website, he met a beautiful exotic Bulgarian brunette by the name of Sylvia, who he called Sylvie. Okay, so you had one of his credit cards. Yeah. And what were you buying with it? Well, what I was doing is, um, over the past four months or something like that, I've been, ta- I've been talking to this woman online. Who's she? Uh, she's, it's embarrassing to do this. She's a, she's, a yeah. cam, she's a cam model. A what? A cam model. A cam model, it's like they, they, it's like a virtual girlfriend, I guess you would say. Okay. Like that type of situation. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the money went to her. Okay, where's she at? She lives in Bulgaria. Bulgaria? Where's that? Over in Europe. It's like okay. outside of Germany. Okay. Like that. You ever been there? No. Okay. Um, so it, wasn't, it wasn't that serious. Okay. So what would you give her money for? Um, just for like time online with her. Okay. Yeah. So it was just like that type of thing. Grant spent hours paying to watch her chat, dance, and take her clothes off and perform sexual acts. Eventually, Sylvia became Grant's obsession. He wanted to progress the relationship. He soon started buying her clothes, sex toys, paying for private photographs, and he truly felt as though she was his girlfriend. When Sylvie asked where he got all the money from, he told her that he was a successful gamer in hopes of impressing her. Over the course of four months, Grant had spent $200,000 on Sylvie. $200,000 secretly stolen from his parents' credit cards. And what did she charge? Yeah. By the minute, by the hour? Minutes. Okay. Yeah. And how much is it per minute? Oh god, I think it was like it was like ninety tokens a minute and like the conversion rate for all of that is six hundred dollars for like a like five thousand or something tokens or something like that. So and then it was four hours a night. Um so I mean it's, I mean that's basically just where all like the cost went to was you pay real money for the tokens and you use the company's digital currency for, okay. for that. So you do that and when did you meet her? I met her um, beginning of July. Yeah, at the very beginning of July. 
Grant stole credit cards from his father and brother that quickly got maxed out. When the family discovered the transactions, Grant explained that the money was considered an investment and was used to promote himself on Twitch. Both Grant's father and his brother expected that he was lying and soon discovered who Sylvia was. However, Grant felt no need to stop anytime soon because he knew that his family would never press charges. Grant took his family's generosity for granted. He knew that his parents would do anything to protect him in the tough phase of his life. His brother Cody gave Grant $10,000 so he could go on a 10-day trip to Japan with him. Cody's plan was to go to an anime convention in hopes of boosting his brother's mood and helping him get over Sylvia. In return, Grant agreed to go to therapy in a mental health cornerstone rehabilitation center in Fort Lauderdale. It was a two-month program for internet and sex addiction. After only two weeks, Grant refused to continue. So I guess to like bring it all back with why I was brought to Cornerstone, uh, it was a mix of all of those things. It's like he felt like, you know, I, um, he felt like... He needed to be grounded? Yeah, yeah. And so then I was there, you know, I spoke to like the therapist and psychiatrist and all that stuff. I didn't need any medications for anything. They had analyzed it as, this is an isolated event. You've been out of work, you have this. PTSD from the whole getting arrested thing, and I mean, the last thing on my record was, I think, a speeding ticket back when I was at UCF. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just having all of that stuff going on. Um. On December 20th, 2018, Grant's mother and brother Cody called the police to report Grant was missing. The family expressed that he was feeling depressed and possibly suicidal due to losing his job and failing out of graduate school. The family reported that Grant had left home without any explanation and then sent a text message to his mother saying, quote, tired of dealing with everything and going to handle it my own way. Grant's mother warned the police that he had access to multiple guns. The report says, quote, both Mrs. Amato and Cody say that this is out of character for Grant, and they are also 100% convinced that he will try to harm himself. It was discovered that Grant ran to his aunt's house, Donna Amato. She allowed him to stay the night so he could calm down. Donna immediately realized something was wrong with her nephew when she noticed the quick change in her bank account. Donna thought that her bank account had been hacked, and she soon discovered that it was Grant, her nephew, who had been stealing money from her accounts. When Donna told Grant's parents about what their son had done, his parents pleaded for her to not press charges, and his brother Cody paid Donna the money Grant had stolen. Donna had told interviews that over the course of 27 years, she had never heard her brother-in-law, Chad Amato, Grant's father, cry. The only time she ever heard him cry was when he called her and grieved over the stress that his son was causing him and the family. He had to remortgage the family home to cover $150,000 of Grant's debt. The Amato family took shifts outside of Donna's house to prevent Grant from escaping and running away again. Grant's father, Chad, had become tired of their freeloading son and his inability to find a job to regain his life. The family had finally begun paying off the debt and paid for the rehabilitation that Grant had been participating in. At this point, Grant's brother, Cody, paid $8,000 for Grant's attorney, $10,000 for the trip to Japan, and $15,000 for the rehabilitation stay. Grant's father, Chad, let the fraudulent line of $200,000 filed by Grant go through, so it wouldn't be reported. On January 5th, Chad took his son Grant to the California Pizza Kitchen in Waterford Lakes and presented him with a two-page list of rules that he must abide by if he was living in their house. All communication with Sylvia was forbidden. 
Grant must present a plan in writing of his personal recovery plan. Find a job. The job must be an all-day job with no overnight shifts. Must show the family the job application before and after it's submitted. No post-midnight internet use. No more all-nighters online. And the family installed new modems that tracked usage and easy monitoring. Terminated phone privileges and his cell was taken away. No more family financial support. The family also gained access to all of Grant's accounts to inform everyone who he had talked to online that he was not who he claimed to be and that he stole all the money from his family and to apologize. If Grant broke any of these rules, he was gone. No coming back into the house. Grant agreed to the rules, but was devastated and angered because he truly believed that he had a relationship with Sylvie, the cam girl that he met online, and thought it was not fair. Let's delve into the life of a cam girl and how it is psychologically exhausting and the relationships it creates online is complicated. So this is from a former cam girl named Miss Dahmer, who at one point was one of the top 10 girls on my free cams. And she was raking in $26,000 a month. She explains in an interview with vice.com how men on these sites are always online. She says, quote, these guys are always online. If you're not there one day, they could visit another girl's page and you could lose a high paying client. I stayed online for 24 hours once. I managed to go more than a year without taking a day off, unquote. A rule for cam girls is to never get too close because these people are just clients. Now, Miss Dahmer is now an escort and she's retired from being a cam girl. And she said, quote, there's a huge difference between the sort of man that visits a campsite and the sort of man that visits an escort. Guys who visit campsites are socially awkward, they really do live in their parents' basement, and all of them work from home. One did tech support for Best Buy, another one was his mother's carer. While escorting, you're dealing with businessmen who make lots of money. They're married, out of town on a business trip, so after a nice evening with you, they go back to their normal lives. There's no baggage. Miss Dahmer explains how regulars end up becoming obsessed because they feel that they have built this personal interconnection with only her and that she talks to no one else. She had men locating her address, her real name, and even threatening to send her family the messages and photos that she sent out on the internet. Now, if you're sitting there going, well, she shouldn't have put it out there, my response is, mind your business. You don't know what's going on in her life. Don't be insecure. Mind your business. Get rid of the tea and get a hobby. That is all. So Miss Dahmer explains that she had to renovate her recording room and pretend that she moved. And this is absolutely terrifying because this is when the category falls into stalking. If a person thinks that you only want to talk to them, that's terrifying. And it's so scary because... It's one of the reasons why I actually don't like talking on social media. Like, I limit my interactions, I set my boundaries, and I stand firm with them. I know the law. Don't fuck with me or I'll throw you the book. Don't go out of your way to make someone feel uncomfortable online. Yes, she's in a higher risk because she was doing cam girl work. But that doesn't give a person a right to be a fucking creepy-ass stalker. I said it. I'm standing with that. I'm making it very clear that I'm not degrading cam girls in any way. 
A person does what they have to do to make money in this world, and we cannot judge them for that. We don't know their life, and we cannot assume that we do. So respect everyone. You hear me? Unless they commit crimes in the past, <laughs> be kind to people. People need, we need kindness in this world. So Grant fell hard for Sylvie. When his family cut off all connections, he internally lost his mind because she was all he obsessed about. From reading many psychology articles involving the obsession of cam girls, I found it really fascinating. And one big similarity, <laughs> sorry people, they certainly do not love you back. It's a job. And it's a job in a service industry, much like a bartender or a waitress. And people in the service industry, they will tell you that many rely on tips. And that's exactly what cam girls do. And I'm sure many of my listeners who've worked in the service industry can say, oh yeah, I've had my weird regulars. Those are the people who feel that they have built a special connection with you that surpasses everyone else who walks in through the door. Now, why is this, you might wonder? According to psychology and the wonderful human anatomy, the concept of love bombing comes into play. Love bombing is when someone overwhelms you with affectionate words and compliments. And this is a manipulation tactic, whether the person realizes it or not, to get what they want. So when someone who is not used to being love bombed receives it, it causes the human brain to release dopamine and oxytocin, which are the pleasure responses in the brain. When a cam girl makes a person feel special and prioritized, the client can feel as though their relationship should evolve from what it is. And this is where the obsession begins. It's called the reward theory of attraction. Now, a cam girl can think a client is truly a good person. There's a very high chance that they're not in love with you. A cam girl's job is to sell the client a fantasy of a relationship. Some people sell a car. Some people sell you more drinks. Sylvie was selling a fantasy, and she was good at it. Grant Amato fell fast and hard, and because of these infatuations, when he was told he could not talk to her ever again, he collapses. Let's continue. Once Grant returned home, he conned his mother into using her cell phone to contact Sylvie again over Twitter. When Grant's father discovered this, he grabbed Grant by the shirt and commanded him to pack his belongings and that he had to be out of the house. The family had tried hard enough and their increasing debt was only too much. On January 24, 2019, at around 4.30 p.m., Grant was home alone with his mother, Margaret. While he was packing his things to move out, Grant claimed it took him a few hours to pack his stuff. Grant's father, Chad, arrived home at 5.30 p.m., and later that night, around 9.30, 10 p.m., Cody Amato arrived home. On the morning of January 25th, the police received a phone call from Cody's co-workers who were concerned about him not coming into work. The police arrived at the Amato house, and since there was no answer, they forced themselves inside. Located in the kitchen was a bloodbath. 59-year-old Chad Amato was found lying on his back, dead in the kitchen. He was shot twice in the head. On his hip was a holstered handgun. Located in the family office was the dead body of 61-year-old Margaret Amato. Her body was slumped against the side of the desk, and she had been shot in the back of the head. Located in the doorway between the gym and the garage was Grant's 31-year-old brother, Cody, who had been shot below the eye. His body was curled up into a ball. 
It was soon discovered that Grant had attempted to stage the scene of the crime to give the impression that his brother Cody had murdered their parents and then turned the gun on himself. What had happened was Grant had shot his mother before his father Chad came home. Margaret Amato died first. Grant knew his father always carried a gun, so he would have to sneak up behind him to shoot him unnoticed. Once Cody came home from work, Grant immediately shot him in the head. He then went into Cody's room and took his gun and placed it near Cody's body. The purpose was to frame Cody, except it was not identified as the gun that murdered the family, indicating that someone else committed the murders. It was at 12.21 a.m. on January 25th, after he murdered his family, that Grant went to a public supermarket and logged onto the Wi-Fi. And at 2.08 a.m., he accessed his dead brother Cody's bank account to buy more tokens for Sylvia's cam sessions. The police later that day conducted their wellness check on the Amato home after Cody failed to report for work, and this is when the crime scene was discovered. On January 26th, Grant Amato was tracked down to a local hotel, and he was arrested and interrogated for three hours. In that time frame, he never once asked what happened to his family. He was then released, but arrested again on January 28th, and was interrogated. He claimed that he was innocent and had nothing to do with the murder of his family. Grant also claims that he left the house at 9.30 p.m. and met with his brother Cody outside of the home to tell him what happened. Grant admitted that he lied and left the family home around midnight and spent the night in the parking lot and his brother was home alone with the family. I have my argument and then I'm packing my stuff. I'm, you know, taking it out to the car. It took me like a couple hours to get as much as I could just kind of out into there. Um, and then, yeah, it's like mom's kind of just staying out of it to a certain degree because she knows like how dad can be. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, and that's just pretty much where I was just kind of like waiting. After, after I met with Cody, then that's where, you know, I was again just kind of staying around that area. And then I just went to, to the public. And then to my knowledge, I mean, I was like, that was the last interaction that I had with my, the three members of my family was, was that. When you left Cody, what did he say he was going to go do? Cody said that he will take care of it. Take care of what? Just the situation that was at hand. Did your father say or do anything to scare you? He had threatened me that if I stepped foot back on his property, not the house, but if I stepped foot back on his property, that he would kill me. And like he had... He said those specific words. Yes. Yeah. Did he, you tell that to Cody? That your no. father told you that? No, I didn't. So you're afraid of him? Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you are actually afraid that he could kill you? Yeah. A crime scene analyst discovered a handwritten note that appeared to have been written from Cody Amato's perspective. It read, quote, Grant, I'll take care of your problems. I just need you back. I can't live without you, brother. I said I'd take care of all your problems at the house, and I have. No one will bother you again regarding this. Please just come home. The detectives questioned him regarding the note. Grant eventually admitted that he wrote the letter, but couldn't explain why it was written in first person from Cody's point of view. Grant sought to implicate his brother Cody in the killings. Why do you think we're having this conversation? I honestly don't know, but I'm pretty freaked out at this point because, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I know like how the situation was when I left and, you know, I thought that it was weird to begin with that I hadn't gotten any communication whatsoever. I mean, like I, like I told you, my brother, Cody, the last time, um, when I was away from the house that he was the one who outreached to me via email because he didn't have my phone or anything like that. So... I mean, I thought that it was weird, but I had just been kind of putting it out of my mind, thinking, okay, you had to go to work, or there was yours. There's something you want to tell us. I can see it in your eyes, I can see it in your body language, and just your, the way you act. Now's the time. 
now's the time for something you want to get off your chest and give us an explanation of what's bothering you. Now is the exact time to do it. And I, I, I'm giving that opportunity um, right now to tell me some something you want to get off your chest. It's there. I can see it in your face. I can see it in your eyes. You're upset about that night. You're upset about it. You're upset about it. You've been that since we've talked to you. I can see there's something been bothering you. I'm just worried about what is all transpiring from this. I, I think at this point right now, to be honest with you, Grant, you know what it is. Um, it's, it's in your eyes. Your, your eyes is, is, is the beauty of your soul, and it's, it's in your eyes. I, I genuinely don't have anything else that I can say about the night or you know the, the period of time afterwards. I I honestly I don't I don't have anything else that I can really say. You think something bad has happened at your house, and to date, so long you haven't asked us about anybody. I mean, you're a smart guy. You know something's happened at your home. You have law enforcement here. You haven't heard or gotten any. Well, I mean, I, I'm just scared as to what the answer is. I genuinely don't have anything else that I can say about what transpired during the nighttime. So when you left your house, everybody was fine. Yeah. And when you left Cody? Everything was fine. Nobody nobody else went into that house. Who left your family like this? If you were the one that's been depressed, you were the one that owes money, you were the one that got into a confrontation with your father, who did this to your family? If you were trying to defend yourself or something else happened, we need to know now to help you. So tell us what happened, Grant. We're here to listen to you. Grant, you need the truth. We're, we're here to make this right. You've got to tell the truth. It's on the tip of your tongue, my man. I get that. It's Did your tough. father go after you and you try to protect yourself? No, I didn't do any of this. There, there's something that's going to come up that that is going to make this all come real. I'd rather it come from you than have to do it that way. The evidence tells us what happened. You have to fill in the blanks. They can't tell me what happened. Fact, fact I know. She, she, never, she never held a gun. She didn't have a gun that night. Fact. He never fired a gun. Fact. He never fired a gun. She never did. This is the person right here, Mom, who always stuck up for you. Something happened so bad that caused her death, your dad's death, and Cody. And I'll, I'll tell you just about how it happened. One, two, three. Based on evidence. Based on evidence. I know he did not shoot your mom. I know he didn't shoot your dad. I know he didn't shoot himself. And I know from, from video surveillance camera in the neighborhood, nobody else came to that house. I know. I know I can account for everybody that went to the house. I know. So tell us what happened. I know it. Listen to me. Hey, I know. Video surveillance tells me everything that happened this night. I'm telling you. Of people that, that you'd be surprised who in your neighborhood has video. And I know that nobody, there's only four people was at this house during this time. One, two, three, four. Tell me. You got to tell me, man. You got to tell me. More evidence was found. There were pictures of his dead family members that were torn up. But Grant claims that he had nothing to do with it. Grant's only living brother, Jason, questioned Grant. And he still denied being involved. Here's audio of Grant and his brother, Jason, having a conversation during the interrogation. So uh, I, I take it you know what happened. Yeah. I, I just I'm gonna ask you plain out. You, you are not part of it anyway. No. I don't know. I I want to believe you, Grant, but you're the last person that I could put in that house. And I know what happened over the last six months. I can understand the troubles that you've gone through. 
but it's hard for me to think that you would break to this point. But I don't, I, who else can I blame? Who, how are we going to find out who did this? I don't know. I don't have the answers. I love you more than anything in this world, just like I love Cody, Grant, and Dad. I know Dad was an asshole. I know Cody was an asshole. But they were our family, and they would have never done anything to hurt us. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I don't believe you. And I probably will have resentment for the rest of my life, whether you did it or you didn't do it, but I need closure. I need to know what happened to my mother, my father, and my brother Cody. Because I wasn't there to fucking help. And that hurts me. That hurts me a lot, man. I may not have been able to stop you. You probably may have hurt me too. But at least I would have known what happened. And now I'm in fucking who knows what now. I'm lost. And it scares me that you want to leave here and not face what happened. Because you're putting my life at risk. And you're putting Donna's life at risk. Grandma's life. How do we know what you're going to do? If anything else you need to talk about before we let you go. Because now's your time. You know that. Like Danny said, once you're out of here, you there's no coming back from this. We're giving you every opportunity to tell us what happened in that home that you have not told us. So you're aware that when you leave here, you're not going to have any chance to redeem yourself and tell us the truth after the fact. And you're okay with that. You can live with yourself knowing that you're not going to tell us the truth. On January 31st, 2019, Grant Amato was convicted of three counts of first-degree murder. In August 2019, after eight hours of deliberation, 29-year-old Grant Amato was found guilty of murdering his father, mother, and brother. While the death penalty was an option, the jury decided to sentence Grant to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He is currently incarcerated at Madison Correctional Institution in Madison County, Florida, and he still claims his innocence. While in prison in 2020, jail phone calls of Grant were released of him discussing case details with a documentary producer. Grant tells the producer that he and Sylvie acted like a couple of high schoolers, falling in love. He claims that everyone misunderstood his relationship with Sylvie. It was the first time he had ever done anything like that on a campsite, and he fell in love with her at first sight. Grant's attorneys are trying to appeal the case on the grounds of a juror should not have been involved in the final round. The attorneys explain that the juror was asked about her feelings towards life in prison, and she expressed concern about her tax-paying dollars paying for it, which is an admission of not being impartial. Grant currently feels violated by the state of Florida for showing photographs of Sylvie that he received from her personally. And he also claimed that Sylvie never asked him at any point for money. He gave it to her out of his own free will. He still considers her his long-distance girlfriend. Do they talk? No. Have they ever met in person? Never. There are, of course, those who feel that Sylvie was partially to blame for the murders and that she took his money. Let's not forget that money is a reward for labor, and Sylvie's job was a working cam girl. It's not as though she approached Grant and forced him to give him all his money, and she didn't ask him to steal money from his parents. She did not do that. Grant, however, realized that she is a cam girl, and cam girls provide their time for money. So of course money's gonna be involved. But he was so out to fucking town that he just 
Ugh, he's... I don't like this guy. So, the actions of Grant Amato were on his own choice. He made the disgusting decision to murder his family, and my condolences to the family and their loss. She had no idea he was going to murder his family. Nobody's seen that coming. Did she encourage him? Absolutely not. Reports prove that she had no idea. Did she pressure him into giving her money? Again, no. Grant was only one of her many clients that she had, and it was Grant who thought that he was special when he knew that she was a cam girl. He manipulated and warped his own mind. People wondered should Sylvie had given the money back. The job is and always has been sex work, not ethical financial consultancy. So plus, the Amato family never at any point wanted Sylvie to give the money back. Grant had a porn addiction, and the family tried their best to help him. It's such a sad case because they loved him so much, and this little fucker... Ugh. Let's discuss the psychological effects of pornography. Now, pornography is not a bad thing, but like most things, it can be abused. So according to the Mental Health Online, problems start when a user's currently struggling with existing psychological issues. Evidence has shown that problematic pornography use correlates with psychological problems such as depression and anxiety because it's an outward way to escape into fantasy and ignore the problems that you're currently facing. It was known that Grant suffered from both depression and anxiety after losing his job. Research has shown that non-drug addictions such as gambling, binge eating, and sexual activities affect the brain function in ways similar to alcohol and drug addiction. Mental Health Online says that many addiction studies have focused on what is referred to as the pleasure reward system, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and their corresponding neurotransmitters, the chemicals that are responsible for the communication between the neurons in the brain. One of the neurotransmitters frequently identified as the central to the addiction is dopamine, as I said before, a behavior or drug that produces pleasure induced in a rush of dopamine. And that ultimately reinforces that behavior of making it more likely to occur and getting an addiction. And Grant, he developed an addiction because he needed to feel a significance from this girl who he was paying for attention. Prosecutors worked with the Department of Justice and Bulgarian Embassy to learn the identity of Sylvia. They discovered her full name and address, but she did not want to speak with them regarding the case and wants nothing to do with Grant Amato. Grant still loves Sylvia and said, quote, I am unable to function normally without her, not hearing her good mornings or good nights, not talking to her for hours a day. I truly love this woman. I send her messages every day and I get no response. She is my everything and I will give her my life to simply be able to make her smile. the true story of Grant Amato and his pornography obsession. Obsession is such a scary thing, and Grant's infatuation with Sylvie made him push everyone who cared about him away, even when they tried to help him, and he took advantage of his family and eventually ended up murdering them all, except for his brother Jason. It's just a crazy story, and in the end, it was all for money. 
his parents fell victim for his lust and they tried to help him and he just well that's the end of that it's disgusting i hope he rots in prison there'll be more many more they're coming for me now and then they'll come for you Back on our never-ending quest to find a scary movie, I have one that fits the bill. It's the 2012 psychological horror thriller, Cam. C-A-M. Cam. The premise is a Cam girl is trying to work her way up the site ranks by standing out with outlandish routines. And one day her account is stolen by a woman who is her exact doppelganger and begins stealing her money and her clients. I've watched it twice because I found the concept to be new and really entertaining. So check it out and let me know what you think. The YouTube horror short for you this week is an award-winning title called I Heard It Too, and it's directed by Matt Sears and Tim Knight. And I will link the direct link in the episode description. So check out the 2012 horror film Cam, and check out the YouTube horror short I Heard It Too, I Tried to Scare You, now you try to scare me. Send me your horror movie recommendations. Rate and review Lullaby on Spotify, Apple, Google, and newly on Amazon Music and Audible. So follow on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Slasher at Lullaby the Fear Podcast. So thank you for listening to this week's Lullaby. Sweet dreams. Lights out. <laughs>